Hi guys, welcome back to my Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today is another fantastic day for an interview. I've got Tamar Metford with me today. Tamar is uh, a, a hope elevator. Uh, she is a woman who, like me, has gone through dark times and has tried to find the, the truth at the bottom of the bottle. And I don't know how many bottles you looked. I looked at many hundreds, probably thousands of bottles. And I can assure you, I never found the truth. And, and I, I, I think I stopped, I stopped looking and I never look back now. <laughs> so Tama, welcome to my show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, and it is beautiful, isn't it? It is. What is happening to us nowadays is a whirlwind of emotions and a whirlwind of energy that is throwing us around. And yes, yes, I could be now talking about COVID and the American elections and all these kind of other things, but that's not what we're talking today about, Tama. Um, it's this whirlwind of things that we have started by being open and honest and loving ourselves and telling the universe, hey, it's, it's actually a really good time. So I'm ready for you, universe. And guess what happens? The universe has got some really clever ideas, isn't it? So Tama, here you are at the moment, you're in the midst of a, of a creative spree of, of, of madness uh, squared. Uh, tell us a bit about it. How, how is your life going at the moment? It is right now like I'm riding this massive wave and it's the best I've ever experienced in my life. And I've experienced a lot of different highs. But, you know, since turning my life around, it's, I can't even explain it some days. I mean, I actually look forward to going to bed at night now because I can't wait to wake up at 4 a.m. And people think I'm insane for this, but I love waking up early so I can create. And I think it comes from just always having those limiting beliefs and the negative self-talk telling me I'm a loser. I'm never going to amount to anything. And mm -hmm. even after I got sober that first year, you know, it never really hit me until a couple of years ago that, oh my God, I am capable of so much more than I could have ever imagined. And I just, I really hooked in with the right people that said, tomorrow you have a voice, you have a story to share. You need to share that and help other people. And that truly inspired me. And now like the last, oh, this past week, I've just been creating like crazy and doing things where I just, if I turn back and look, I'm like, holy shit. I can't believe I've, I'm in this place. I can't believe I'm living this life. It's truly amazing. I couldn't agree more. It is, it is a, a culmination of Finally, throwing out the negative beliefs and not taking no for an answer. Um, I remember, uh, start of the year, mid of the year, I said to my sons, huh, I fancy writing a children's book. They looked at me as if I had completely lost my marbles. And I said, I don't know why, but I, I think we, we need to address children at a much earlier stage, not when they're adults and haven't falling off the wagon, but actually let's address the, the underlying uh, 
wrong beliefs and, and with a children's book and they oh, the amount of of doubts and the, then the flow-on effect of imposter syndrome was there and uh, luckily as you said I had to put it out to the universe the universe sent me a uh, an, an co-author uh, and we both realized well actually we both are singing from the same song sheet so we started creating and we've released this week we have released uh our the, the first test version so to speak of our, our book so it's gorgeous like you it is just where's that coming from you know you would have told me half a year ago you're going to be a children's uh, book author i would have said what are you, are you nuts <laughs> and you just don't know you just don't know if you open yourself up and if you don't numb yourself uh every day with either uppers downers or lefters or writers whatever it is you're taking then suddenly things start start happening isn't it mm-hmm. yeah and it's you know even a year ago, I would have been like, you're crazy. You know, I'm going to have my own podcast and I'm going to be a coach and I'm going to actually help people for a living. Like, shut up. And yeah, it's amazing. Like you said, when you put it out there into the world and you start actually asking for what it is you truly desire and what you want, it's just, it's magical. Like it's, it's phenomenal. It's getting out of that comfort zone and, you know, a lot of people, I think when they hit that discomfort, they're like, oh, my gut's telling me this is the wrong thing. But it's your gut telling you you're actually heading in the right direction and to keep going because I'm so comfortable right now with being uncomfortable. It blows my mind. Like if I'm not if there's not a little bit of discomfort, I feel like I'm not growing. And it's almost like, "Woo, what am I going to do tomorrow? <laughs> and I've never felt that way before, ever. Isn't it? And in I hate the word addiction, but uh, it's nearly a bit addictive, actually. It <laughs> is. It to, is <laughs> <laughs> to actually be in that scenario where where you are are uncomfortably comfortable or comfortably yeah. uncomfortable, however you take it. Um, it is nice because you know this is the place where the miracles happen. This is the mm-hmm. place where you grow. And hell, we all can do with that. And it doesn't matter, guys, if you're 16 when you're listening to that or if you're 65 when you're listening to that. There's this, what will you do when you grow up? That's all I can ask you, okay? Mm -hmm. And if you're 75, I will still ask you the same question. Yep, absolutely. But but that was not always the same, wasn't it? I mean, with you, you were, um, your journey, your journey, your transformation started a while ago. Tell us a bit about the times when you were not as creative, translate, when you were very creative in hiding places for the alcohol and and drugs and those things. Yeah, well, I always like to start it off by saying that I had an amazing upbringing, right? I had a good childhood, loving parents, you know, um, yeah, I had good manners, you know, I was always very polite. Um, I was also incredibly shy. And huh. We moved around a lot. My dad was chasing his dream where must it must be where I get my work ethic now from and my absolute drive and, you know, just desire to be creative. But in, you know, high school, I really wanted to fit in. And I always felt like I never fit in. And when I first drank and got drunk, oh my God, I felt like my life went from black and white to color. 
And a lot of people will tell you, okay, I have a couple drinks and I'm starting to lose control and, you know, this isn't fun anymore and they stop. And, but for me, it did the complete opposite, right? It was like, I feel like I'm finally in control. I feel like I can be the person I feel that other people want me to be. Cause of course I was a massive people pleaser as well, right? I wanted everybody to like me. I didn't want to ruffle any feathers, even though I ruffled a whole hell of a lot throughout my journey, but I really felt like I was alive. And unfortunately though, because I wasn't afraid to put anything into my body, that just progressively got worse. And I started using harder drugs. I ended up in places that when I look back now, I just think, oh my God, like, I can't believe I did that because I was classy, right? I mean, I looked at myself as I was a classy drinker. I was certainly not classy because there was a lot of table dancing and restaurants and I could tell you a whole bunch of stories. (laughs) But (laughs) I thought I was classy, right? Because I was too good to be labeled as an alcoholic. And, you know, throughout my life, I struggled with many areas. I mean, if there's something to be addicted to, I'm going to be addicted to it, good or bad, right? And I'm super grateful today, obviously, that I can be addicted to the good stuff. Um, I have to be mindful of that too, but... You know, food was another one for me, right? And it was just always this teeter-totter back and forth between everything. And I got severely depressed. I was in co I was addicted to relationships, right? I was codependent. I wanted to fix everyone, right? I, I say I was the general manager of my universe. And if I wasn't in control, I was absolutely miserable. And You know, it was just my life was waking up um, for a while there. I was very functioning and towards the end of before I had actually quit drinking, I was a functioning alcoholic. And because I would get up every morning, my boss would say, tomorrow you smell like a brewery. And I'd be like, no, whatever. That's pretty normal. Like, I think that's my normal perfume smell. Um, And but I I became severely depressed Mm -hmm. and, you know, I got married. I did everything I thought society wanted me to do. Right. I bought a car, I bought a house and life was good, but it wasn't, it was maybe good to people on the outside that thought, man, she has so much fun. Like she's always partying, you know, not to say that I had, you know, $75,000 in credit card debt and, I was moving balances from one card to the next just so I can grab a bottle of vodka to make it through till the next payday. Like now that I look back on it, it's like, that's insane, right? And it just, it finally hit a point where I was like, I want to end my life. I don't want to do this anymore. I can't, you know, because I had lived 20 years of just hurting people in my life and purely by my alcoholism. And I didn't want to admit that I was an alcoholic. You speak out of my soul. 95% of alcoholics defined by their behavior or defined by the amount that they're drinking will put the hand on their heart and truly tell you, believing it, that they have no problem with alcohol. Joe over there, now he is an alcoholic. Me, no, 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 no. Look, I'm holding my job. That's right. And it, it, high-functioning alcoholics, that's what, what we are or what I have been. And you could put a question mark to the functioning. 
Uh, it should not be high functioning. It should be barely functioning alcoholic. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> that's probably far more realistic. And it's amazing what you said there, that your boss said you smell like a brewery. Um, what, what was your profession at that time? What were you doing? So I was always kind of in a customer service role and, you know, um, always for manufacturing facilities. And so for me, I could, you know, finish drinking at 5.30 a.m., go home for a quick hour, you know, nap, we're going to call it. We're not even going to call it sleep. And then mm -hmm. I would go into work. And because back then it was so accepted that even after work, you know, you'd stand in the parking lot and you'd down a case of beer. And before you go home, that was an appetizer, right? And then you would go home and carry on. I mean, that was just the norm for me. And I never looked at it as something that was a problem because in my mind, I was happy and I was having fun, even though I wasn't. And that's why I suffered from severe depression at certain points. Did you ever get around to look more closely why you were drinking? You were already aim, uh, pointing towards the, the people pleasers, uh, the, the the shyness, the being probably a little bit of an introvert. Um, all these things are setting yourself up, but were there specific traumas that, that also kindled that fire that put petrol on the barbecue? I, I think for me, it was, you know, my dad was always very loving, but very tough love, you know, very, you could do better, you can do better. So I, you know, became a perfectionist very young And so I started to just doubt myself and I, you know, I still struggle it with today where, you know, I'll catch myself falling back going, oh, I wonder if I did something wrong, like always doubting, very insecure. But, you know, as, as far as any real trauma, other than some abuse I went through with, you know, very codependent relationships, it was just the way alcohol made me feel because I didn't want to feel, you know, I was so desperate to be liked and to, you know, um, get along with people and have friends. And I thought that that really um, made my worth, right? Mm. If you didn't have a lot of friends and you weren't worthy, right? If you didn't have a boyfriend, you weren't worthy. And I was very insecure in that area too. And drinking, psh, I could be the most beautiful, you know, envision myself to be this drop dead, gorgeous woman that can get any guy she wants because that's what alcohol did for me, right? Alcohol gave me that false confidence that I never had. And so it was like a light switch went on in my head and I'm like, I've arrived, you know, this is me. And it wasn't, you know, because I've for the first time, you know, eight and a half years ago, finally learned that I had to love myself and I hated myself for so very long. It's weird to see your lips moving, yet my words are coming out. Um, yeah. That is quite spooky. But yes, I mean, that is, and that seems to be the, the underlying current that virtually every guest who has been in our shoes uh, is reverberating here in their words. And it's something that is so painful to finally recognize and realize and to, to accept. So learning to love yourself is one of the hardest things I think that any person could ever do because it means that you accept trauma if it has occurred to you. But what I love to hear is from you, there's, you don't have to have major traumas 
So yes, fair call. If you are, if you have seen all your friends blown up on the battlefield, then and your PTSD is ravaging you. Oh, okay, that that's a bit of maybe an excuse. That's a bit of maybe a reason why you have hit the bottle. But there are many other people out there who do not have that excuse, so to speak. And please, mm-hmm. uh, don't put anyone with PTSD down. Don't 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 get back to me and say, "Oh, <laughs> uh, no." What I'm trying to say is, it alcohol is a, such an insidious insidious thing that it can sneak up on you. And it doesn't matter what life you've lived. It doesn't matter which social strata you are. It doesn't matter which color your skin is, which religion you belong to. It doesn't matter if it's a complete taboo in your society or not. Alcohol sneaks its way into your lives. And that is that is the big, big thing to recognize. And yes, you can feel guilty and you can feel ashamed and all that because that's that's how we humans are. God, you, you you don't look at the 99 good things that you do. You look at the one bad thing and then you start whipping yourself because that's what we do. Oh, for mm-hmm. fuck's sake. Shame, guilt was riding me for years and years and years. And what do you do to, to numb those negative emotions? You drink more. Great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a vicious circle. So, no, 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 no. What, what was the point where you said... where you just had to become the butterfly, where it was no longer good enough to be the lava and cooped up and it is time to transform. Or shall I better say that the phoenix rising out of the ashes? When was the time that you had to burn? I, in end of 2011, I remember being really severely depressed. Um, I had actually gone to my ex-husband now, but my husband at the time, we worked together And I remember us, you know, we just, it was paycheck to paycheck and struggling. And I I couldn't deal with the pressure, A, of not being able to pay our bills. And I just remember going to him and saying the first time, listen, I'm going to kill myself because I can't handle this anymore. And because, of course, I drank every weekend or, well, every day to numb that pain and to numb those feelings, I wasn't doing anything about it, right? I wasn't taking action to actually make that stuff better. And we had a big argument. And then I remember a short time after that, I was sitting on the floor and I had a bottle of pills in my hand. And I just, it was like I was having these flashbacks of just stuff that had happened and people that I was hurting because, you know, I would have people as I'm getting sick and they're like, why do you keep doing this to yourself? You know, and I couldn't give them an answer. Like it wasn't just as easy to say, well, you know, I just had a few too many drinks tonight and I accidentally got sick. Like it was, okay, I know I'm on the verge of blackout, but hey, you know what? Buying a bottle of vodka, that's going to be okay. And it just, I did it over and over again. And people were just watching me completely unravel. And as I sat on the floor with the bottle of pills, I was 215 pounds. So I was, you know, cause I was drinking on an average weekend, 5,000 calories of alcohol per day. So that certainly doesn't help you lose weight. Um, I was really unhappily married. I mean, we loved each other after work when we hit the bottle together and things were good. Right. But then the next morning you'd look over and I was like, Oh, I really loved you last night. And then the cycle would happen again, right? So I was really unhappily married. I felt like there was no love there anymore. 
and the depression had just gotten too much. And so I, I wanted to end it. I couldn't, I, I didn't know how I was going to move forward, continuing to live the life that I had lived. And I actually had a dog. He was little pug at the time and he was sitting right beside me and they do that little head tilt. That's oh, so cute. And it's almost like he kind of just looked at me and said, you know, what are you doing, mom? Like, come on, let's, you know, go for a walk or something like let's be productive here. And I don't know what happened to me, but I believe it was definitely a divine intervention that something inside me, there was that spark of, okay, you don't need to do this. Like your life can actually get better. You just have to make a choice right now, right? You can either take the pills and end it and waste your life, or you can move forward and you can start to change it because ultimately I did have that choice, right? I had had enough signs in my life and enough people come back into my life after I had lost them originally and were asking me to stop, right? And they were there for me. I just never recognized the signs until that moment and just something inside me just shifted. Wow. Wow. Self-preservation, however you want to call it, something was there. But let's blame your dog. That is right. That is yeah. That's right. He saved my life. <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. And sometimes, sometimes messages come through the funniest channels, isn't it? Yeah. And 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 if it is the look of you in the eyes of your dog, God, who are we to say that this is a bad thing? <laughs> Animals <contrary>. are good. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! And but then there you were, so you knew. It can't continue like that. But what happened thereafter? I mean, so you were this, drinking heavily. And yes. so it was clear you just stopped. Well, hello, not just hangover, but hangover. <laughs> very, very sick, 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 sick. And it's called withdrawal. Um, how did that go for you? Well, of course, because I still did not recognize I had a problem. I thought I would start off. It was actually towards the very end of the year. And I thought, okay, this is it. I'm going to fix how I look on the outside and it's going to mend who I am on the inside. Cause I was, it was the heaviest I'd ever been. And I just felt I always covered up and I'm like, Hey, I'm going to get a gym membership. So I did what everybody does. I made a new year's resolution. And of course, as someone who's an alcoholic, I've always had this all in mentality. And I'm like, this is it. I'm changing my life. I'm going to get skinny. Everybody's going to love me. You know, life is going to be better because I truly meant I truly thought that if I fixed how I looked on the outside, it would just start to heal what was going on the inside. And I was in so much turmoil. Well, after a month, I still felt like, okay, this isn't really working. It's not going to my plan. And so I decided to hire a personal trainer <clears throat> and she, um, her and I actually realized we knew each other in high school. We were in gymnastics together, which I was terrible at, by the way. <laughs> so we had a good little laugh because now she was a personal trainer at the gym. And she asked me, she goes, Tamar, what's your goal? And I answered, I want to go in six months to Las Vegas and I want to fit in a bikini because I'd never worn a bikini. I want to go to a pool party in Las Vegas. That was my ultimate dream at the time, right? And so I set out on this mission. I was going to get skinny, and I really thought that would fix who I was. Well, I soon, very soon found out that wasn't the case. And there was one problem, though, is I still needed the alcohol. And so 
I was eating chicken, broccoli and rice every single day. Right. I was like, you tell me what to eat and I'm going to eat it and I'm going to record it. And I'm going to show you that I am the best student you've ever had. I'm going to be your model client. And that's what I thrive for. Right. I wanted the gold star. But I was like, damn it, there's one thing that's missing in here. And that's the alcohol, because how can I consume these extra calories? And much like I had actually done while I was in active alcoholism, where I would just yo-yo diet to the extreme, I decided, okay, well, I can have a certain amount of calories per week. I'll, you know, make sure I just eat a little bit less chicken, broccoli and rice. And I would actually go, my husband and I would go out to friends and I'd say, okay, I'm going to bring three beers. Now that's like a pre-appetizer for someone who drank as much as I did, which is typically about 18 beer and a bottle of vodka in an evening. And so I would bring three beer and I would buy NyQuil. And so I would drink the three beer. That was the cue. Take me home. We're only here for half an hour anyway. And then I would go home and I would slam back half a bottle of NyQuil so I could pass out. What is NyQuil? I don't know it's that. it's um, a cough syrup. So if you have a cold, it's a nighttime. It's got a sleep aid in there. There's a sedative in it. Of course it does. Yes. Ah. So I would drink half a bottle of that, which also has alcohol, I would find out after I got sober. Sure. And I was so proud because I'd have to report to my trainer. I'm like, guess what? I had nine beer only this weekend. <laughs> nine beer. Right now, if I say I had nine Coca-Cola's, that sounds insane. It's like, wow, that's a lot of sugar, right? But nine beer to me was like, that was magical. And I wanted to scream it from the rooftops, <laughs> right? And so she'd be like, oh, interesting, nine beer, hey? And I'm like, yep, three per night, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then I was back to the, you know, chicken, broccoli and rice. And little did I know, though, that the trainer that I hired was in a 12-step program. And so, yes. And so we actually decided to conquer our fears because I was like changing my life now, right? I was going to do it all. I wanted that gold star in life as well. So we went bungee jumping and she said, hey, you know what? Um, I go to meetings once in a while. I've had to cancel on you a few times. You know, if you need help, because of course, when you don't have a problem, you don't feel the need to try and convince people that you don't. You know, it's like people who don't have a drinking problem, they don't talk about alcohol. They have a glass of wine if they want one and that's it. And but I was so proud of only having a certain amount of beers and being able to stay to plan. And I'm like, I don't have a problem. What are you talking about? And so my husband and I went away for the weekend, which was the first weekend I'd had away from actually, you know, being in these boot camps and training and being at the gym every day. And I thought, I'm going to bring one bottle of wine with me, one bottle, I'm going to do this, right? We're, we're gone for three days. And I'm going to have one bottle of wine. Well, of course, we got there. And about 20 minutes later, that bottle of wine was done, because it's a hot tub, too. So you can't not drink wine in a hot tub. And I ended up having a box of wine, a case of beer, and we ran a $200 bar tab. I don't remember hardly any of the rest of the weekend. And so that was the first time since I had started this journey of losing weight that I had the you know freedom to drink as much as I want. And I wasn't accountable to anybody. And I just remember that was the moment where I'm like, okay, I have to put the bottle down. Like I have no control when I start. 
And so I called up my trainer. I said, listen, I'm ready for help. And and that's when I decided to, to get help. And that whole next year was, you know, I continued on my weight loss journey. I got sober. I learned how to own my life and clean it up. And because I had a big mess to clean up. And you know what, though, a year later, I decided, hey, I've graduated, I've got this thing. <laughs> you know, it was almost like a course I'd taken. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm good now, right. And of course, that's when complacency starts to set in a little bit. And welcome to my world. Yeah. Because 80% of us will have a relapse 80% yeah. in the first year, that's your chance. Because come on, you're, you're dealing with very powerful forces that are acting within you on the brainstem level, that are acting outside of you in the advertisement world, in, in just your social engineering that is happening around you without you even knowing, and uh, so many other forces. And you think that after you know, a few meetings, you got your shit together? <laughs> Yeah, I've got this, right? I graduated. <laughs> That's right. You're funny. <laughs> exactly. But we know that now. And uh, we know it's a, it's a lifelong journey. And the cool thing, though, is you start this journey quite broken and quite, yeah, in a not pretty shape. And then you come to this point where you think, wow, I have done one month, six months, one year. Wow, it's a bit like like Austin Powers, you know, it's one million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, sorry, one billion. Um, it keeps going, okay? Yeah. So having said that, celebrate, celebrate because this is a journey. There is no end point. The end point are pearly gates somewhere um, if they are there or I don't know what, feeding the roses, I don't know. Um, bottom line is, this is a journey, not a destination. So make the most out of every achievement that you have got. Be proud of day 612 or day 27 of you not using because it is an achievement. It is beautiful that you have done that. Congratulations mm-hmm. to you if you are wherever you are on this journey. But also congratulations to you that you're on this journey and that you haven't even got the faintest clue what is waiting out there. Because if you keep going like like Tamar and me did, then it keeps going. It keeps getting better and better and better. And yes, there are there's yeah, sometimes it's it's two steps forward and one back, and very rarely it's one step forward, two back. But that's that's rare nowadays because because we are learning every day that there are actually cool things you can do so that you're not exploding in anger or that you're not trying to slice your wrists because a depressive episode hits you or you're not doing stupid things because a wave of anxiety hits you because I don't know about you Tamar but with me it hits me regularly mm-hmm. um, so whilst you were saying hey this was a really good week um, well that's a positive side of it where there are points where you were sitting hyperventilating on the toilet and thinking no no <laughs> and anxiety was riding you? Oh, yeah. And, you know, relapse is not, thank goodness, part of my story. But like I said, after that first year, I was so confident. And I think part of it is because you're celebrating, you know, one month, two month, three month, and then a year, and it's so big. And then it's like, all of a sudden, now what? Now, 
I really got to start digging in. And I, I didn't fully, right? I still stayed connected somewhat. But I mean, there was times where I was just white knuckling it. And I really struggled with the belief that my alcoholism was going to affect my future, right? I thought, I'm not educated, right? I mean, I've, I've taken college courses. I, I was on academic probation. I dropped out of most of them. But I'm really not educated in the college university sense. Um, you know, I thought, okay, well, I've worked my way up through companies. I've, I've got a job. That's good. But I truly thought that I would be stuck being one of those people that on Sunday night was thinking, oh, man, it's Monday tomorrow. Maybe I'll call in sick or, you know, maybe... Uh, how can I get out of it? Right. And, and always looking forward to Friday. And I didn't want to live that life because, you know, there was days I'd sit there and I'm like, I'm not going to amount to more. Like you were a loser. You're an alcoholic. You hurt all these people. You messed up your life. You went bankrupt because the year I got sober, I went bankrupt, right? My marriage fell apart. I lost everything. But I had finally, I, I finally felt like a weight had been lifted off my shoulder and I was given this opportunity for a new life. And I think, you know, up until about a year and a half ago, it was really looking at that constantly, no matter how depressed I got, because I do suffer with anxiety. I mean, I, I remember sitting because the all in attitude, I was at work one day and I just my whole left arm went numb and I, I had massive chest pain and I ended up in the hospital because I was so riddled with anxiety and stress, right? Because I was still trying so hard to lose that weight, to look good, right? And I hadn't really invested in that growth mindset at that point, right? So it was a, a very yo-yo, like very emotions. I'd be crying. I'm like, why am I crying now? Like, I don't even know. I feel like it's the end of the world and I'm sitting in this massive pity pot, and it was really going, okay, no, I'm capable of a lot more. It just took me a long time to see it, right? So that being stagnant for five to six years, I had a good life and I was happy that I was sober and things were starting to change, but I hadn't developed that mindset like I talked about. And so it was just really up and down for a very long time. <laughs> and it still can be today because when we have those lows and we start to think, uh, maybe I can't do this. You know, like I told you, I'm riding this wave. I wrote a book this year, like when COVID happened, I'm like, that's it. This is my moment. You know, I work full time. I'm going to coach, I'm going to help people for a living. And I was all in. And I'm riding this massive wave. But it doesn't mean that there's some days where I'm not like, shit, what if this crashes? What if it doesn't work? Right? I I get those what ifs. But it's like, I'm just going to continue to walk forward step by step, even if that's super hard some days, because deep down in my heart, I know I can, and I know that I have a bigger purpose, and I just have to hold on to that vision. So true. Well, if you show me yours, I'll show you mine. Ready? Da -da. That's right. Oh, elevated. Now that oh. is cool. And that is available on Amazon? Amazon, yep. Okay. And uh, it's, I finally decided to share my story with the world, right? I, I I'm, wasn't going to hold it in. It's very therapeutic, <laughs> as you know, writing a book. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us more. So basically, when did you, when did you publish it? 
I published it, I think, July 14th of this year. I wrote the book in six weeks. Um, I, uh, (laughs) all in, of course, when I decided I was going to write this story, I had booked many appointments with my therapist because things just came up that I had long since, you know, stuffed away, like memories. Mm -hmm. I would find myself writing and all of a sudden it was like this flurry of memories would come back. And I was like, should I write about that? Because that split second, I'm like, oh, I'm still really ashamed, obviously, of that because or else I would have shared it. But I did. I just pushed forward. I'm like, no, I'm bearing it all because if it can even inspire one person to go, if she did it, maybe I could, then I felt like I had to share that story. And when I published the book, so I published it with a friend, we self-published and So I took the day off work because you have to look at Amazon categories. And I remember my friend messaging me. She's like, oh, my God, Tamar, you're 52nd overall on all of Amazon right now. And I opened up my screen and I looked and I just started sobbing because I was like, are you kidding me? Like someone who was sitting in my English class while my English 12 teacher came and dropped my final exam and she said, If you fail this exam and you're in my class again next year, I will make your life a living hell. Just to give you an idea of how I was at the end of my high school days to writing this like a full, full book, you know, and it's not a super thin, a little bit thinner than your book, but to do that and to actually go, wow, I could do this. It just made me realize that I'm capable of so much more. And it was the greatest high that I've ever experienced in my life. There's no comparison to it. And so many words come to my mind, a flood of, oh, congratulations. And and I just, I want to send you the biggest hug for (laughs) this achievement. And it it is so important that sometimes we come to that point in our life where we actually say, so much shit has happened to me. It has to have a meaning. It is, it can't just have been for nothing. And I think that is where the writing comes in. That is where you guys out there can learn from, from people like Tamar and me and vice versa, where maybe you have got a story to tell. And the, the process of writing can be so traumatic, cleansing, cathartic, however you want to call it, probably all of them and then some. Uh, because like you, like you, Tamar, it is it it was weird, and I started writing. I couldn't stop, and the first draft was brutal to say the least. Uh, <laughs> but then again, one of my mentors, um, he actually said, "Look, people want to know how they got how you got better, and people want to know the lessons that you have learned. They don't want to have the bloods and gore." Uh, and I thought. Hmm, okay, that's actually that's actually true. So I've I've rephrased some of the stories, and and it's probably quite good. So, um, because yes, needless to say, we could tell stories until the cows come home. Because you and I lived this life for uh, quite some years. Mm-hmm. So no, but here we are, and we are living this new life now for quite some years too and therefore we are now so in such a great position to actually compare these two lives so it's the before and after just as much as you you get the before and after bikini pictures of, of women in their their transformation in their outer body 
far more important. These are, this is the proof that, that you guys can turn around, okay? This is, this is proof that even the biggest numbnut on the Zerv can change his life. And if you like the, the male version, it's here. The female version, Tamar, show us the book again. That's right. Nice yes. and shiny. <laughs> oh, that's true. Mine is, mine is mate. Okay. Yeah. I thought I'd go for shiny, right? <laughs> and so you should be because you shine. So your story shines. Your personality now shines. And how beautiful is that? Let's attract the, the, the positive vibes in the universe because here you are. You have, you have overcome so much and you are now at the cusp of creating so much more. Mm-hmm. Now talking about creativity, I uh, we got in touch ages ago. So today, as in preparation for the interview, I looked you up, looked at your website, and you had a freebie there. Tell us about your freebie. So I've got a couple. the The most recent is discovering your ikigai, and it's one of the things I have a program I teach called Mensana, which is Latin for healthy mind and a healthy body, and one of the first concepts we talk about, which has really changed my life too, is discovering your purpose in life. I think a lot of people I talk to about, you know, I'll ask them, what do you, what do you want to do? Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right. And a lot of people don't take the time to really ask that question. And, you know, I know a lot of people in recovery who have 30 plus years of recovery and guess what? They've never ask that question to themselves and they struggle with it. Mm -hmm. And it's what fuels me to wake up in the morning. And I also have a wake up on fire workshop, which is, you know, a little bit more in depth of organizational, but, you know, discovering your ikigai, it's what's gonna, what's your purpose in life, right? What's your passion? What could you potentially get paid for? Because I never dreamt dreamt in a million years, I would be a performance consultant and a life coach and helping Mm -hmm. people, like really empowering them to develop that firm belief in their abilities to change, right? I feel like my purpose is to basically shake the amazingness out of them, you know, because (laughs) I, (laughs) I just tried to put that in, you know, normal terms, but I just, I didn't believe that I was truly capable of turning my life into what it is today. And so I really want to hit people who are, you know, maybe overcome their adversity, but they're like, now what, you know, what, what do I do now? And so that's what inspired me to create that workshop, because I think it's important to first go, okay, what is my purpose, right? What do I dream of? What could I read to myself after doing the homework, which you get in the workshop, you write out your statement in every single morning, and I have it actually in my phone. Um, I read it out and I've got a picture I can show you here, a picture of a nice tropical beach with white sand and turquoise blue water. And, you know, my ikigai is I help women recognize and break free of addictive and unhealthy patterns. I empower them to live up to their true potential and meet the challenge of change. So every day I look at this picture And I read it out loud and it just drives me forward. Like it just, there's nothing like it. When I read it, that statement gives me goosebumps because never in a million years would I think I'm telling myself that and that it's actually going to come true. So 
that's what it helps you get that feeling of my life could mean so much more. But guys, did you listen to the words that Tamar chose? Action. Every day she does, every day she reads, every day there is an active path. She's not just sitting there, ah, oh, I wish that one day maybe I could. No, she's every day she's taking action to achieve that. She has got this vision. She has put that vision into words, which becomes then a mission. And now this mission she is following through by every day working on it and reminding herself what is important. The problem with the with the, the distractions that all our lives are. There's this beautiful story out there of the, the, the professor who goes in front of the class and says, you know, okay, let's fill that class up. And I, I'm, I, I can't remember the, the eloquent words that how it is all written, but it goes along the lines of if you put all the sand and the crap and the pebbles in there, there is no room for the big parts that are really important. So fill the glass up with the big parts first. Make sure that you do those things that are utterly of most benefit to you. And then fill all the, the rest up with the crap of social media and of whatever else it is that, that uh, you think is important. And that is such a beautiful thing. So put yourself first. And here is a little mini program that allows you to verbalize that, put it in writing, and maybe take similar steps as we are doing every day. How cool is that? And how much did it cost you? Oh, nothing. So why don't we do it? Just remind me, so I, I didn't hear that. Why? Okay, so here we are. Now, please, guys, we can do better. So Tama, I actually enrolled this morning in your program. So I'm looking forward to, to being part and parcel of that and to just explore again. And as I said, it doesn't matter how far down the line I am because there are new ways of me being able to, um, to just develop myself. So mm -hmm. hell yes. Yeah, so I'm and forward to playing there. So guys, you know, Check her out. Tama, if, if people want to find that, where can we find you? You can check out my website, which is www.theroadforward.ca. And I've got all the, the workshops on there and, of course, my social media. Yeah. So if you want to check me out, just yeah. come and join me. Wonderful, wonderful. And guys, we've got put the link down there for you so you can easily uh, just go from there. And now, Tama, it was absolute an honor for me to have you on the show. Uh, two like-minded, nutty, crazy people who nowadays are still as addicted as we always have been because we are addicts. But nowadays we are choosing addictions of loving ourselves and, and creating beautiful legacies that we can be proud of and that we can, that we, that allow this ball of energy that we are curating as, as people in recovery to come out and explode and, and share out there. So guys, that might sound corny. I, recently someone, someone criticized my show because it was all so positive and it was all so warm and fuzzy. <sighs> Guess what? That's my life now. I'm mm -hmm. so sorry that I'm warm and fuzzy and positive and full of energy. I, I, I know I should be guilty about that. 
But guess what? I'm actually guilty about that. Uh, I am positively guilty. How can you be positively guilty? I'm proud to be like that because I put <laughs> shitloads of work into it, okay? So yes, I worked hard to come to that point in life. And if you rather want to be in a pity party over there, that, that, go there, go there. It's, it's cool, it's cool. Mm -hmm. Maybe one day though, you will remember this, this, uh, this interview and think, hmm, let's go back to it listen a bit to it and then figure out this Tamar, who is she? Okay. So guys, go out there. We both have written books. So there's, there is no excuse for you guys to not get infused because we have shared our stories. How much more can we do? So now it's up to you guys to make the most out of it. Hey, Tamar, you're gorgeous. I sent you huge hugs there, and I hope that all this energy will continue to flow out of you and that we can in the future collaborate and work and dream and do whatever we need to do to make this world just that little bit better. The world needs it right now, and, and let's do it. Let's step up to our, to our tasks of influencing those people that choose to be around us or that by accident walk in our way. Um, maybe we can make this world a better place. <laughs> I think we can. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Absolutely. And you guys out there, look after yourself. Bye.